All right. Well, welcome to Podcast Tips with Rob Greenlee. We're back uh, doing a live show on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific in episode 15. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. And and if you're a regular viewer of the program, I appreciate you being here with me and and continuing this journey. Um, it's a little bit of a meandering journey around uh, podcasting and live streaming on the stream on the StreamYard platform and and kind of how I'm navigating this. And it's it's a journey for me of learning and trying new things and and doing this program in a in a different way than how I have done in the past. I started podcasting uh, and actually on the radio back in 1999, and so that was in a studio or I did it out of my home office and. And actually built a studio in an office as well, but also brought it home and did it there as well. So I've had that kind of complete experience in this area. And now I'm playing around with doing more live and doing podcasts in a convergence type of an approach. And so tonight I have a a special guest uh, from the StreamYard team that's going to join me here and uh, we're going to unlock some of the concepts and I don't know if they're secrets, but maybe things that uh, maybe can be helpful to you in amplifying your podcast growth uh, through strategic partnerships. And I'm, I'm lucky to have uh, with me here, uh, Franz Joseph uh, uh, Schreff, and let me pull him up to the stage and we can, we can have a, uh, a dialogue here. Franz, thank you so much for, stepping forward and and joining me on the show it's great to have you with me you're the director yeah. of strategic partnerships for Streamyard. if i wasn't clear about that but you're also a, a podcaster you're the what you called the captain of the partnership podcast <laughs> or the partnership show which i think is really kind of creative and in in, in something different right and and i'm sure you're having an interesting time creating content on that program too kind of diving into this uh I think increasingly important area of building strategic partnership partnerships and partners. And so anyway, uh, give me some thoughts that you have about, you know, what you've been doing with your own podcast and how that kind of uh, works with your work at StreamYard too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Rob. And if we are starting a couple of minutes late, that's completely my fault. Yeah, because, no, uh, it's fine. This is my, <laughs> my first public appearance after having a baby. So it's been a month. Well, congratulations. Uh, so that's awesome. StreamYard Strategic Partnerships Director, podcaster, and father now as well. All right, wow. Um, that's, so, a, that's a full full deck, as they say. <laughs> yeah, full, full roster. Uh, yes. I, I like to keep busy, yeah. Um, I think... For for this, this is the first time I actually talk about my show conceptually. Like, I like to host my show, but I actually don't uh, talk about it a lot. So I think this is the first time I actually explain, like, the rationale behind it. So I think that might be a really interesting starting point. It's just to kind of, like, explain, like, why I have a, a podcast, right? And how that intertwines with, like, my work in strategic partnerships with StreamYard as well, right? Yeah. Uh, cool. So let me let me explain a little bit. So I started at StreamYard's parent company, Hopin, around four years ago. So four years ago, I was, um, four years ago, I started as, you know, just a, a regular salesperson slash special operations or special projects person at Hopin, mm-hmm. uh, which is a virtual events company. And that company grew from like around 20 people when I joined 
to over 1,200 people at the peak. So it saw a huge boom during the pandemic. And then um, during that time, we also acquired StreamYard, which is the live streaming company that we actually use right now to produce this live stream. And um, what happened is that after the pandemic, we saw that virtual events were not as popular anymore as they were during mm -hmm. the pandemic. So during the pandemic, I'm sure every one of us here in the audience probably attended a virtual event of some sorts, either on Zoom or maybe on Hopin, where you had like, you know, TechCrunch Disrupt, for example, host events on our platform or other big conferences, which used to be in person, were all virtual. Um, and these events all went back in person or most of them went back in person. Right. And so as a company, we really prioritized live streams and focused on StreamYard because that's a big market for us and it's really growing really fast. A lot of people are using StreamYard to connect with their audiences. And then also what we started to see is that a lot of people might not go live on StreamYard, but they might want to use it just to record their podcasts. Right. And so it's basically like a podcast is basically like a live stream, which you don't actually publish live, but you actually edit it and then publish it afterwards. But that is pretty much what a, a podcast is. So there's a really nice like overlap between the two like use cases. And so when I then started focusing more on StreamYard, like around a year or a year and a half ago, um, I did something which in the startup world we call dog fooding. Not and the good. idea here is that you really need to like, start using your own product. The story behind it is that apparently there was this like CEO of a dog food company who went on stage during a company all hands and said, we need to love our own product and use it ourselves. And then he ate like a whole can of dog food. That's why it's called <laughs> dog fooding. <laughs> and so... I felt like the only way to actually like really understand what our creators go through is to create my own show. And I dabbled in podcasting before, like back in like 2019, I used Anchor. I don't yeah. know, like, you know, if you ever use it yourself that much, but mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool because it was so easy to like, you know, create a podcast. Like I just put a phone in the middle between me and my friends and then we would interview like each other and like upload that. And of course we got no views. So this time I was a little bit more ambitious on trying to figure out how to get some views for my podcast as well. Yeah. And I realized that if you have zero like followers for your podcast in the beginning, it's really hard to get anybody to pay attention. But I had a couple of thousand followers on LinkedIn. So I was like, okay, there's there's something here to work with, right? right. There's something I can do with these couple thousand followers. And then what I also realized was that um, a lot of these people that I connected with were partnerships people because yeah. I work in partnerships. And so oh, really? the job of partnerships is often to connect with other partnerships folk and like figure out what you can do with them. And so that was great because I realized like, okay, I have a couple thousand people and a lot of them are in partnerships and there isn't a lot of other partnerships content out there. There certainly isn't like a recurring live show on LinkedIn where you can actually go in and ask questions yourselves yeah, and like right. learn for that. And so that was a great like insight for me where I was like, okay, last time the podcast was just me and my friends rambling. This time I actually want to like have an audience and I also want to focus on a topic which is niche enough that it's actually relevant to people. And yeah. so that's kind of like how the idea of starting a live show or live podcast um around partnerships came to be and then the name the partnership was just because i was incredibly lazy and so i felt <laughs> like it would be great to just name it something which was really straightforward like the partnership and then i realized that we could split that out into two words and i was living in the caribbean at the time like i was wearing my hawaiian shirts all the time so i thought it would be cool yeah. to make it nautical themed so i yeah. actually have i have a little captain's hat sometimes i wear it on the show uh, <laughs> or the captain of the partnership well it's it's a terrific analogy to what really partnerships are all about. And that's getting people all on board with what you're doing, whatever that is and building, you know, contextual 
and relevant relationships with people. And if you get them on board the boat, <laughs> maybe yeah. there's, there's more potential of collaboration that can be had. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's a terrific analogy. So I, I was really attracted by your, by your concept of, because I've spent years being a, like a VP of uh, partnerships at some of the podcast hosting platforms that I've worked with in the past and kind yeah. of, doing a lot of outreach to podcasters. Um, so really in a lot of ways, the the work that I've done has been around partnerships with podcasters and partnerships with technology companies um, that are providing technology that can help podcasters. So that's kind of the, the genesis of kind of my career over the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so is creating content and building partnerships and relationships with uh podcasters and increasingly that spectrum is expanding into just content creators just in general as i think about streamyard um this is a tool that is tapping into kind of like the current zeitgeist of what's happening with the content creator economy right now of yeah of thinking about content in a much more complete way not so much fragmented concepts right which that's where i feel like podcasting came from was more thinking of it as a you know, if I think back like the last five or six years, thinking of it as more of an audio medium only, right? And, but increasingly that is something that's changing and people are perceiving podcasts to be quite different um, than how they were maybe seen 10 years ago. Um, um, but prior to that, podcasting was very heavily involved in video. And I've talked about this a lot on this program already, but um, the history of podcasting is both. So, so we just happened to move away from the video side because YouTube started and everybody, all those creators started publishing their stuff over to YouTube. So, so I think it's an interesting time and I'm a big proponent of partnerships. I, I love the concept of it. And I think podcasters can learn a lot from uh, you and kind of, well, and me too, because of our focus on partnerships. But before we dive any further, I wanted to mention to everyone listening to this that we we're going to have a giveaway at the end of the program for some StreamYard merchandise. And I'm I'm wearing one of them. It's a StreamYard hoodie. And then nice. uh, we're also going to give away a StreamYard uh, Puddles duck. So, so enter into your comment field on the social platforms, um, hashtag the yard, and we'll get you added to the giveaway. And at the end, I will push a button and the software will select who gets the free merch? So, so it's an exciting time at the end of the show. So hang in there yeah. and, and we'll get to it. This is a common thing uh, with, with StreamYard and StreamYard has a, a giveaway tool that's, that's available to all their customers or all their subscribers that they can do the same. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a powerful tool and I'll show it to you when we get toward the end of the show and you can see how it is and I'll share the URL to it. And, and so you can do that with your own program. So, so, but, but anyway, friends, let's, let's kind of dig into the meat here of this topic. And I know that the, the, the comments and the questions keep flowing in and it's always a challenge for me to keep up with it because it's the StreamYard channel and the community is such a dynamic community of, of people that want to learn and want to connect. And, and it's always an energetic thing for, for me. And so when you do your partnership uh, show that you do, are you doing it live or are you trying to pre-record? Just curious, just kind of set a baseline of what you're doing with your own show. 
Yeah. So I personally create a live show and I think the difference or the reason why is that mm -hmm. there's almost too much content out there. That's like my, my hypothesis, especially with AI now, like it's so easy to create content and there's so much like just like a flood and onslaught that I noticed that, that with a lot of people, like if they say they're going to watch it at some point or they're going to listen to it at some point, it never happens because there's always a new piece of content coming out or a new demand or something else that they could do in that time. And so by having a live stream, what you actually do is you schedule that they should watch this piece of content. You're yeah. like, hey, at 12 o'clock today, we all going to watch this live show together or this podcast together. Yeah. And yeah. that's a great way of like getting actually people to pay attention. But then what I really like about it is that a lot of the best questions actually come from the audience. Like I do yeah. a ton of research. I do like, you know, two, three hours or four hours, maybe even of research where I read every single blog post my guests have ever written. I read, like, I watch every single, you know, webinar they've ever done, every single podcast they've done. I listen to it because that's how I get my questions. And then one of my hacks for my live show is that I later, when I like, interview the guest, send him the questions plus all the research I've done. So there's right. normally like an eight page document with all the questions and all the research I've done because it shows the guests that I put so much effort into this show that I really want to make it successful. And then in yeah. return, the guest is a lot more bought in to actually make the show successful because I've put so much effort into it. And so yeah. several of my guests afterwards said to me, like, I think the, the most impressive thing was actually just the, the amount of effort that went into each show. And as an audience member, you don't see it. Like, you don't necessarily know that this show is so well researched. But mm -hmm. for me personally, that was a really big growth moment because I actually like then got myself to spend like four or five hours reading partnerships content, which, you know, I love partnerships, but sometimes it can be a slog to read the all that yeah. partnerships content. So it was yeah. good to have that like that dedication and like that motivation that you know, like, okay, I'm going to interview the person who wrote this blog post. So I might as well read it very carefully so I can actually, like, ask some really smart questions. Yeah. And so that was oh, the motivation behind doing it live. And then yeah. the other reason why I did it live was because it's on LinkedIn. And so I have my existing audience there. And maybe even more importantly, I have my partners there. And so a lot of our biggest partners at StreamYard might be, like, a Facebook or a YouTube or a LinkedIn itself. And these people, like, they might not, you know, have, like, a weekly interaction with me, but maybe just monthly. And so one way to, like, keep top of mind for them is that every two weeks when I host my show, I invite all my partners to my show. And they see my, like, notification in their connections tab pop up mm -hmm. as Franz invited to you, you to this show. And then they, you know, have immediately a reminder, like, oh, yeah, there's this person at StreamYard who works on XYZ. Uh, we should follow up with them. This has worked several times. But then even better, sometimes they come to the show and then when they watch my show, they actually see how StreamYard works. They like, you know, learn something inside through from this podcast about their job, which then in return creates an even bigger piece of like share of mind in their head that, you know, StreamYard is awesome. Podcasting is awesome. And hopefully Franz is awesome as well. And we should work <laughs> more with him. Yeah, I think that's a terrific concept. You know, this concept that you're tapping into, and I think this is the real power of the concept of partnerships. And I think it's more of a mindset than it is really anything else, is that it can really have a significant impact on, on elevating your show's reach and quality, just like you said, and an impact on individuals, right? And I think we get caught up on this broadcast ideology when, when it comes to, you know, at least some content creators are still locked into that ideology instead of thinking about individuals, right? And thinking about uh, when you're speaking to your audience or you're speaking to, you know, use terms to to refer to an individual like, like 
this this particular person or build that connection of of trust because you're you're speaking authentically and you're speaking real but you're also doing like what like what you're doing friends and that's doing that deep dive on the contextual quality of the content um that yeah. you're doing that is really relevant to your audience so you're really focused on trying to build value and that translates into growing uh, i think uh a community of people and it's not so much about the number of people that you have. It's really, I, I believe more about the, who they are. Right. And I think yeah. we're moving into an era with media, um, online media where who's listening becomes more important. I think this is what, this is where the future is. It's who's yeah. listening becomes more important than how many. So, yeah. 100%. I think for me personally, this has been like a really, really important lesson because what I learned through, you know, trial and error is mm -hmm. that actually partnerships is a pretty interesting and lucrative niche as well. Like I will maybe like not get like a million people to watch my content because partnerships probably isn't that popular. Like it probably can't serve a market of like a million people. Like people want to watch Mr. Beast and stuff. But most people who watch Mr. Beast content, no offense, there are like 12 year olds. Right. And 12 year olds probably don't have that much money. They're probably not going to like, you know, help you advance your career right. as much. And so in order to capture a lot of value, you need a lot of 12 year olds. But yeah. if you want to like, you know, close like a large deal for your company, maybe yeah. you only need like a hundred people to watch. If these hundred exactly. people are all partnerships, people at the right companies, then that's perfect. Right. And so mm -hmm. generally like that has been a really insightful lesson for me. And then another one has just been the people you get to meet. So I think in terms of like priority order for me, like where I see the value from my live show, especially when you don't have an audience yet is number one, like just the research you do on your guests is like phenomenal. Like that in itself is super valuable. You don't even need a show to do that, but it's quite great to have the interview as like a forcing function to actually like start researching. Then after that is like just the people you meet. Like when you look at, think about like a, a niche or like a topic for your podcast, I think the most important thing is to just ask yourself, like, who do I want to meet? Who could I spend like, you know, hours of my time with just talking and just like, you know, bantering with? Because that's probably like a right indicator that this is something you want to actually like do in the long run as well. If you just do something where you like interview your friends after a while, you're just going to lose interest, right? You want to yeah. like have a topic which you're so passionate about and like people that are so interesting that you kind of actually stick it through for like the next year or two. And then the third is the community you build. I think that's something which a lot of people overestimate. Like a lot of times people ask me like, can I live stream if I don't have an audience because nobody's going to show up and it's going to be so embarrassing. Like nobody cares. Like literally nobody cares. Like my first live streams, like maybe I had like six people there or something like that. It didn't matter. Like the guests didn't care. And the, the audience actually thought it was cool that there were a few people because their questions got answered. And then over time you build momentum. And now like we have shows of up to 600 people watching, uh, which is phenomenal, especially in this small partnerships niche. Um, but that takes a lot of time. That takes like at least a year of like showing up every two weeks uh, in order to, to build that kind of community. Yeah, so let's let, let's kind of move to another level of partnerships and and how we can yeah. leverage um, partnership concept to be applied to growing your show beyond what you've already talked about. Like, um, what type of relationships can you, as a creator, podcaster, video creator, content creator, um, what kind of partnerships can you get into? that could facilitate maybe faster growth or economic opportunities or, you know, which would be basically monetization. Now their partnerships can be utilized to accomplish 
many of those things. And, and what that process is that you go through when you are looking, and I can talk to this too, of, of how you look at potential partners uh, and what's important to you when you consider a partnership. Just curious. Yeah. 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 I spend a lot of time thinking about this. I think the, the first challenge here is that everybody means something else when they hear partnership. And so right. I would love to hear from, from everybody watching in the comments, uh, what type of partnerships are you interested in or you know, what kind of partnerships have you been exploring? How did it go? Like, did it work out? Did it not work out? Because there's a lot of confusion in this space. Like, even with my own show about partnerships, like one time I had a guest on where five minutes into the interview, I realized that they actually don't work in partnerships. They work in marketing. They right. just gave themselves a the title of partnerships. But it's so poorly understood, even among partnerships professionals, that this can happen regularly, that you might actually reach out to the wrong person just because it's not clearly defined what a partnership is, right? Yeah, it can oftentimes be be a definition to describe even a salesperson, right? Yeah. Uh, it can that's be, it, I mean, that's, which is kind of a different thing, right? Um, you know, and yeah. some of the roles that I've had is, you know, like a, like a VP of partnerships at podcasting companies is that I would be trying to establish partnership with maybe Apple podcasts or with Google podcasts or with Spotify, or those are the kind of partnerships that I was thinking about. But, yeah. but if you're thinking about partnerships about how to grow an individual podcast, that can be similar, but maybe a little different strategy. It can be, you know, who do you work with around maybe selling ads into your program? Is there an agency you can work with? Is, is there a, a production partner you can work with? Can there be a, a partnership you can establish with a, another company that can help you with your editing or your social media strategy? But but in some ways, the, the concept of building these relationships and these partnerships have a core kind of fundamental um, association to each yeah. other. Uh, uh, around. Is, yeah. yeah. And what are some of the criteria that you um, expect to see before you proceed in a, in a partnership? Yeah, definitely. So in my mind, like a partnership would be defined as a collaboration between two groups or people, which leads to a competitive advantage for them. So what that means is that there are tons of different podcasts people can listen to. How does this partnership help you get more of the attention of your audience, right? How does it help you find more audience members, make more money, whatever it is? How can it help you compete better against all the other podcasts out there? Because ultimately it is a competition. Like we're all competing for time of our audience members. And then we're also competing ideally for money of the sponsors who want to like pay for podcast ads, et cetera, as well. Right. So mm -hmm. it's really just about like in a way winning in that competition. And so partnerships need to help you to win in this competition. That's why it's important to like differentiate partnerships from like a sales deal, for example. Like that's my favorite, like, you know, pet peeve is when mm -hmm. salespeople say like, hey, you know, I have this partnership opportunity. And in reality, they just ask you for like $10,000. Um, because that's, that's not a partnership. Like they're just scared to actually say, Hey, I'm trying to sell you something, which I don't think you should be. Like if you right. sell something of value, it's completely fine to say, Hey, I'm selling you this. It costs $10,000, no. but it can make you a hundred thousand dollars. Then I'm listening. But if you say partnership, what happens is that it gets funneled to the wrong person, probably me in our company. And then mm -hmm. I look at it and I'm like, well, this is not, this is not a partnership. Like you're wasting my time and your time and everybody's time. And so it's important to like be clear that. You need to figure out how can you develop a competitive edge together. That's what a partnership is all about. And so when we think about like partnerships in podcasting, I think the first natural opportunity you'll find for partnerships is to cross promote with other podcasts. 
So you go onto a guest's podcast, for uh, like to another podcast, like for example, I go onto Rob's podcast, and a Rob goes onto my podcast, and we talk about you know partnerships and podcasting on two different platforms or two different shows. What happens is that a lot of podcast discovery right now happens for search. So people might go like, "Hey, I really like Rob. Let me just type in Rob Greenley on Apple Podcast," and then it will just show you know Rob's show, but it will also show all the other podcasts Rob's been to. And then an audience member who's like super active and like might really, really love Rob's content will listen to every single episode. Like this happens to me a lot. Like I'll, you know, I'll listen to, there's one guy called Naval, which is really mm -hmm. big in the startup world. And I listen to all of Naval's podcast interviews where he goes onto other people's podcasts. But right. maybe I think that the questions of one of the interviewers were really, really good. Maybe I think like this person is really sharp and I really like them. So then I'll actually become a follower of this podcast host and listen to all his other interviews as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way to, to be discovered because podcasts traditionally have a very, very hard time being discovered, especially in the beginning. Like it's, you have to like claw, you know, every single viewer into your podcast right. in the beginning. Like it's nothing is more frustrating than seeing like six views on your YouTube videos or seeing six views on your, your podcast. So that's a really great way of kickstarting it and actually getting a lot of attention by like cross pollinating between two different audiences. Yeah, and a lot of the the podcast consumption platforms, um, you know, Apple um, also has video podcasts in it. Um, Apple Podcasts, yeah. and a lot of people don't realize that, but um, they, they have both. They have audio and and video. But what's interesting is is that you know there's probably two and a half million podcasts in the Apple Podcast catalog. Um, I don't know what the percentage of video podcasts that are in there, but. But yeah. what you're up against in a lot of these platforms is um, a lot of what I call archive shows that are in the catalog, right? So when you do a search for a particular show in these platforms, you're going to, and this is the experience that a listener is going through or a, or a viewer, is is they have to sift through a bunch of shows if they're looking to try and find an active show. There's a large percentage of the shows that are in Apple podcasts today that are not actively updating with new episodes. So this is a, a challenge for the industry that they, they really haven't wrestled with entirely. Um, I, I think uh, YouTube does a decent job with this because it's more episode focused. It's less kind of series based focus, but, yeah. but um, one of the things too, is a lot of people don't realize that there's not as many competitive shows in the podcast ecosystem as you realize i mean there's really only about 300 or 300 or so thousand active podcasts ones that are being updated even weekly or every three months for that matter it's not a huge yeah. number of shows so you're having to be found through all this essentially in some ways clutter um of shows but if you're looking for a particular piece of content that's on a particular topic you know, there can be some value in an archive podcast yeah. that's not producing new episodes, but maybe you want to be engaged only with a show. I wish Apple would surface um, actively actively being produced programs higher than the archive shows, but what they do now is they tend to blend them together to yeah. some degree, and it's, it's not exactly ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I think as you look at this podcast partnership concept it can be applied to a lot of different situations and that's you know a collaborative approach with other podcasts to do cross promotions like you mentioned 
and um, and basically build genuine partnerships with guests. Uh, I think also, you know, that opportunity is something that can be difficult um, to to manage effectively. I don't know if you've had struggles with trying to get guests to be a be a partner and 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 help promote the show or promote the episode or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been a big challenge. I think like, it's really just about making it as easy as possible for the guests to promote your show. Right. So what I will do is I will write the post for them. So I will go like, okay, you so know, you're going to do all the hey, everybody, I'm going on this live show with Franz, whatever. Here's a link. Um, give them an image, et cetera. Like I'll do all the heavy lifting for them. So really what they just need to do is copy and paste that and then click send or post. Right. And that has helped. Um, with just getting guests onto the show, like with just getting more viewers onto the show and like also getting new people like to be introduced to the show as well. Because a lot of my guests are creators, um, but they're not podcasters. They're not live streamers, which is actually an opportunity for me because I'm not even like, you know, stealing any attention or stealing anybody's like, you know, viewers. In reality, it's just, you know, I'm introducing viewers who normally read like text-based LinkedIn content to live streamed content. Um, and a lot of them, you know, will stick and we'll just, you know, enjoy this this mix of formats as well and then watch shows afterwards as well. But yeah, the yeah. most important part is to make it really, really easy for your guests to cross-promote. I think generally, like, the, the secret to success in, like, podcasting, but pretty much everything content creation, is to not be lazy. Like, <laughs> ask yourself, like, what can I do to make everybody else's life easier? Yeah, right. Like, oh, work as hard as you can to make everybody's life so easy that they just need to like click send or like push a button or basically like answer the questions for them based on all the old content they've written already. So they don't even have to come up with like answers to their questions because you have done like, you know, 10 pages of research for them. Yeah, no, I think, well, that's adding, adding value to your audience's um, yeah. time. Right. So I think Pete has an interesting comment here. Are, are you in my old house? <laughs> 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 I, so, I wish this was my house. My house is just full of like laundry and uh, diaper pails and changing <laughs> tables right now. <laughs> Which is the life of having a newborn. It's, uh, it's yeah. challenging. I've, I've done it twice myself. So I, I kind of have an idea of what you're probably going through right now. <laughs> yeah. I might have to ask you for tips, but that's another episode. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We'll have to do a different episode on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To the point of the friction, just before I forget, um, what I think is really interesting as well as like a step up. So you have this cross-pollination where you have like, you know, this podcast host and this podcast host and we like go on each other's shows and promote each other. But then there's actually a level up when you like start thinking about money. Like when you say, hey, actually, like I'm starting to like, you know, have some couple hundred people who are interested in my show. How can I actually like get them to start, you know, like like generate some revenue for me like how can i actually pay like the the 20 it costs to like subsidize Streamyard? and partnerships can be a really interesting way of doing that and one way to do it is through for example affiliate partnerships or referral partnerships ah, and so yeah. how that works is that you get a link from a platform so you know Streamyard might give you like a link and say like hey you get a month free of Streamyard if you bring a friend and you're like yeah. this is great like i can like you know get my 20 dollars worth of Streamyard by introducing somebody else to the platform but how do I do that effectively? Now, like most audience, like most creators, what they'll do is they'll put it into the chat where it just gets like flooded off, like by all the other chat messages and like you don't find it anymore. Or they put the link into the comments, uh, into the description. And then it's also really hard to find that link. And so one thing which worked really well for me to like just get that activation and actually get people to 
you know, click on this link is to use a QR code. And so basically in the top corner of your screen on StreamYard, mm -hmm. what you can do is like where you normally put the logo, you can actually mm -hmm. upload a QR code of uh -huh. your link, of your affiliate link. And then during the show, you say, hey, you know, this is the sponsor of the show or like, you know, this is actually the tool we just talked about. There's an affiliate link for it. You'll get like one month off if you start, if you sign up with this and then put the QR code there. Because what happens with live shows, especially, is that a lot of people watch them on the laptop. They're not as popular like with like uh, on on mobile phones because like the attention span is too short. Like if you have a mobile phone in your hand, you're so used to like scrolling that you'll just be like, you know, immediately clicking up and not watching the whole thing. So a lot of people watch it on a laptop, which is great because then they have the second screen experience. So they have like their phone in their hand anyways, because probably like half of the people watching this right now are scrolling TikTok at the same time. Right. Uh, right. So you have this phone already in your hand. Yeah. So you might as well scan it and then sign up in that moment. Yeah. And then this is another example of like making everybody else's life so easy and so frictionless that they just have to do what you're asking them to do. If they don't right. do what you're asking them to do, it's probably because it's too difficult. Like it's probably too many steps. Yeah. Uh, Rocky has an interesting question here too. And I, it's, how to use um, a phone for virtual background. And and I think, I'm not exactly sure entirely the context of the question here, but um, StreamYard does have its own guest app. I don't know if you're, you're referring to that. Um, I don't believe it, it supports virtual backgrounds yet, um, but that may be coming in the future. But um, I think it's, it, I think it's a little more challenging to do virtual backgrounds with a mobile phone, um, but I'm not uh, I'm sure on that. I don't know. Friends, do you have any guidance on that? Yeah, I haven't been at work in a moment, so I haven't played around with <laughs> the app. Uh, so I would have to check out the app again. Yeah, I don't but think it, I think with yeah, your think with your phone, like what happens is that people don't have as much like white space around them. So on like a you know like webcam, we have like sixteen by nine, which means we right. have a lot of space left and right, which is space for virtual backgrounds. But on your phone, you might not actually have that much space. You might actually be like just closer to the device. Which means also that like there's just less space for for virtual backgrounds, but it's a great but, point. Like we'll we'll have to look into that. Yeah, I think it might be something that you know, an enhancement to that app at some point. Yeah, um, I do think so. Like actually, yeah. Charles, um, our friend from Barbados, just made a good point in the comments as well that the phone is limited, and I agree. I think if you're going to sit down and do like a live stream for like an hour, I think it's. It's just uh, like setting yourself up for success means to actually sit down and have a good lap laptop and have a good camera, et cetera. Like don't, don't, don't half-ass it. Don't be lazy on this one. Like you're going to spend an hour recording a piece of content. You might as well spend five minutes on making it look good. Yeah. I actually, I find that using my phone um, for certain very specific recordings situations, like if I want to do like a vertical video or something like that, um, the phone is a pretty good tool for that. Um, you know, I have an iPhone and it's got an amazing camera on it. You know, I'm not using anything like that for this. I'm using a 4k camcorder, but, um, yeah. but, but for this type of a program, you know, I've got a teleprompter and I've got all these screens around me and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, you, you can go all crazy. Like, like I do with this Of course I've been doing podcasts and doing live shows for, you know, like 20 years now. So this isn't something that I'm new to. And I built up to this over many years, you know, like I've got a roadcaster pro here that I can play audio and it's got all this voice processing built into it and all this stuff. So you, you can really go crazy with this stuff, but uh, yeah, 
but a mobile phone is pretty powerful um, to create content with. And I, yeah, I, I'm increasingly using it for that. Yeah. I think my, my comment was more referring to like, if it's an hour long live stream or an hour long mm. podcast, like you might want to put more effort into it. I think right. there is definitely a case for it. And that's, for example, if you want to like record like a one minute update for your followers on social and just let them know that your show is happening or just like a quick summary, then I think it's kind of good to yeah. um, actually use your phone because it's very authentic. It's very raw. It's like, oh, I'm doing groceries right now and I'm actually like recording this video. Like that's people want to be part of your life. Uh, and so I think that's the message you're conveying with that. Yeah, I I probably need to think a little bit more about that myself. I I tend, I mean, I'm doing so much content online now too, um, just in regular shows that I'm doing right now. Just just this week, I'm doing like six different presentations and shows. And I mean, most of them are live, in, some in person, some online. And it's like, you know, how much content do I, or how much time do I have to actually do everything? But, it, you know, but I think you have a good point though. I think frequency of publishing and frequency of creation is important in a variety of different uh, formats. And, and I tend to produce a lot of content in a certain format, but not a diverse mix of formats. And, and, you know, that's probably uh, a weakness that I have. Um, and, you know, I'm, I've been for years an audio podcaster. So, you know, me expanding into this area can be a little bit overwhelming to some degree, but, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm open to, to learning new things and trying different methods. And, um, and that's, that's a powerful thing too. Is there, so as you think about, um, building community, uh, with your, with even your own podcast friends, um, what, what partnership ideas might you bring to the table, um, that can, can foster greater connections with your audience and better in engagement beyond just what we're seeing, like with this program, with comments and things like that. Um, I know that there's like newsletters, there's deeper partnership type of relationships. Um, any yeah. ideas that you have that you can, you can share with us? Yeah. So I think in terms of like building community, I think the, the way to think about it is that you should um, approach your podcast or your live show as part of a larger strategy. And so what I mean with that is that you basically need to think about it as snacks versus main meals. Okay. And so my community with this podcast has like a heartbeat and that heartbeat is the biweekly live show. So every two weeks, the audience knows that there's a live show. It's funny that I say this because I haven't done one in a month because of the baby, but we'll get back into it. I hope everybody understands. Or but, weekly too, right? Or, or, or weekly. It doesn't matter. Like for me, right. it felt like because of the level of preparation I do for my show, bi-weekly was more sustainable because I also have, you know, a job. Yeah. And our things to do. Um, but I think like, you know, every week, every two weeks is like a great rhythm to just put like a big piece of content out there, like a live show a blog post, a newsletter, like something which people like, you know, know for sure is going to come. And that's going to rally the community because if they miss one, they know that they're going to see the next one in two weeks. And then in between, you want to make sure that you stay top of mind and also build excitement for the next meal. And that's for snacks. And so this could be like a LinkedIn post, a TikTok video, a short, a YouTube short, a small YouTube video, whatever, like all this could be like a snack that you send out to your community <laughs> every day, ideally, just so you stay top of mind. And this is where, you know, creating like podcasts with video is so powerful 
because you have the recordings already and StreamYard makes it really easy for you yeah. to clip them into like shorts or reels and also like short, like, you know, 16 by nine videos that you can easily put on your YouTube, on your LinkedIn, on your Facebook, wherever, um, yeah. which are basically just clips of your show. And so what I like to do is like, after I do like a half an hour show, I'll go in and like rewatch the whole show. Like I use StreamYard's marker feature, which is really helpful. So I can actually like spot already, like during the show, oh, this is going to be a good clip. So I click B and then it like puts a little marker in the video. So I know, okay, this is like a, a thing I want to clip later. And yep. then what I'll do afterwards is I go in, clip all these videos. I get normally like around four to five, which is basically a week's worth of content uh, out of like the show. And then I'll like write mini blog posts or mini LinkedIn posts just with a lot of text about um, about the video. And so people who don't want to watch videos, they can read the text. People who want to watch the video but don't want to read the text, just watch the video straight away. But that's a great way of like just staying top of mind and actually like giving your your guest more screen time as well. I think a lot of people like to the point of like Codex as well, like some people will be lazy again and they will record their podcast and they go like, wow, I put all this effort into this. Now on to the next. But there's actually a lot more mileage you can get out of that episode. Like you can right. create a blog post around the episode. You can create short form video out of the episode. You can put it into your newsletter. Like there's okay. so much mileage you can get out of one single episode you record that it would be a shame to not do that because you already done the, the the difficult part. You just need to do like the the tedious, like, you know, editing part, which nobody likes editing, but it's right. really easy all the AI out there. And also tools like StreamYard where you can mark, use markers and stuff like that. But that's really like, that's really where you set yourself apart by not being lazy again, right? By actually doing the work of like yeah. repurposing podcasts. I know yeah. people who have like a hundred episodes on their podcast in partnerships with MySpace, which I totally would listen to. And I only found out about it when I was like the hundred and first episode, the guest, because they don't promote it. They don't right. like tell anybody about it. They might go like, Oh, on LinkedIn, like, Hey, here's a, a link to my podcast episode. And that's it. But I don't have like, you need to like sell me on this podcast episode. Show me the two minute clip, which is so good that I'm like, Oh, I should really spend the next hour on this. Don't just go like, Hey, there's an hour long episode. And like, you should yeah. maybe watch it. Like, I don't think this is going to be worth my time. How do I know? You need to like well, sell me, but like create the trailers of the episodes. Yeah, and I think if you think about it too, from the standpoint of you know, if if you're so busy with either your job or your other things you have going in your life that you can't do that, then you know, if you can afford it, um, you know, it might be a smart idea to to maybe hire someone to help you um, or get a get a part timer uh, relationship with someone that can help you with that parts of it. Yeah, that part of what you need to to grow. And I know it's. You know, it's sometimes hard to do everything yourself. Um, yeah. I and, would say, though, that, yeah. like, personally, I don't believe that you should outsource too early. Um, right. It's like no, I agree with you because you like, need oh, to understand it. Like, an editor, yeah. Right. You need to understand it at a deep level as well. Exactly. And like, I, do your first 20 episodes yourself. Edit your first 20 episodes yourself just to understand, like, what a good edit looks like. And correct. then give it to an editor and go, like, this is what I want. And then right. maybe they can take it to the next level because they know better than you do. But like, yeah. if you just give somebody like a like an editor your first episode and go like, I don't know what I want, they're probably <laughs> not going to do a good job. Well, yeah, because you haven't that. haven't told them what you want, and you, yeah, you don't, you don't even understand it. what you want, right? And, and also, there's something visceral about watching yourself do an interview because like, <laughs> if I watch my first interview myself now, I feel so bad. I'm like, oh man, like this was so bad. But it's really good because you're like, okay. I say the word like around 900 times per hour 
in my episode. Like, I really need to watch out that I don't use the word like and you know, like so often. And so it made me a yeah. better interviewer by watching yeah. my old episodes and realizing just how often I use these filler words. Yeah, that's true. And I do like this comment. That's why I've left it up. Um, Kodak's uh, 904 um, post in here, you know, Alicia Campbell, I would like to be there with you. And th this is really, this gets back to community. Um, what we're seeing here is, is audience members connecting with each other. And that is, that is such a powerful thing. And I love seeing this. Uh, I've done a bunch of different live shows that have the commenting capability. And it was always kind of really, really rewarding to see the audience, um, you know, connecting with each other. And because it also can give a reason why an audience member comes back um, yeah. to watch the show, not necessarily because they always want to hear what I have to say. It's more to do that they want to connect with their friends. So if I can create kind of an atmosphere of, friends and people connecting with each other during the live show um, yeah. and then establish friendships outside of the show. And I've known many content creators, actually Danny Pena was on this program. Who's a longtime podcast. He's in the podcast hall of fame and, and has built this huge community around gaming. So yeah, I first met Danny when I was working on Xbox um, many, many years ago. And, and he started podcasting and doing podcasts about, you know, online gaming and the console gaming industry. And he just, he, he really connects with audience members and those audience members come to his live events and they connect with him offline and those kind of things. And that's such a powerful thing and has built a community of people that know each other too. And if you do this long enough, that's what's going to happen. Um, and we're, we're already seeing early signs of it, even with this program. And it's something to keep in mind, I, I think with content creators uh, that are doing live. And so if you can facilitate this and this happens organically, reinforce it and, and say, this is, this is really great to, to see this happen. So, um, I don't know what you have a thought about that. Have you experienced any of that yourself where your audience becomes connected? I think, and, so. I right? think what the value is of a live show is that it synchronizes everybody. So like I said, like we're scheduling that at like noon today, we all going to watch this together. And it's actually like a pretty unique experience now these days. It mm -hmm. used to be that like we all watch television at the same time. We all watch the same right. thing. And then the next day, like we all go to school sure. and we all discuss like what was on TV last night. These days, like the only time when we, everybody watches is the Super Bowl. Like that was the only time where the entire country watched tv at the same time and they all knew what we were talking about which is why there were so many memes afterwards because everybody right. kind of knew what the meme was right That's but that true. doesn't happen that much anymore these days everybody's feed is like personalized they're like all like tiny 60 second videos and stuff so i think there's really something magical about using live streams to have this reason to come like the the idea that the reason why you show up is like because of the interview but in reality the reason you stay is because of all the side chats which go on in the comments and all the people you get to know and like seeing yourself on screen and then other people answer to you, et cetera. Like that's really the magic. So you really, as a creator who does live streaming, you're more of a community organizer than you are. Yeah, you know, you a are. Traditional <laughs> creator. Right. And it's, it's also, it's a, it's a delicate line, right? Just like mm. with Brit's comment here um, about would really like to use a third party microphone via the phone also, instead of you of only being able to use the Apple products with my iPhone, I think it's a it's a very indicative question of a lot of 
of things that a lot of creators yeah. struggle with is definitely is is should I get a better microphone for being able to use with my my iPhone? And my yeah. comment to that is, yes. is that maybe <laughs> yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's plenty of really good ones from Sure that just plug right into the Lightning port um, that can give you terrific audio in there too. Yeah. But it is true that the headphones that come with a lot of the iPhones have decent microphones in them too. So, yeah. But, you know, it's just one, one of those things, you know, it, it, it depends on what you want to accomplish with your show. If you want to, the, the issue with the recording on the iPhone is what's the environment that you're recording in is the, is the question. Um, is it one that has echo? Is it, you know, what's the sound quality of that uh, environment around where you're doing it with an iPhone? Increasing, we're seeing technology come out that can remove a lot of background sound. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of helping a couple of companies uh, work on that technology. And that's, that's certainly coming increasingly to recording platforms is that, you know, noise reduction and all that stuff. And even, even StreamYard has some noise reduction technology built into the platform as well. And that's, that's, that's really tapping into the current where we are right now um, with content creation. So any comment yeah. about that? I'm sure you did that relationship or it's kind of an internal thing. I thought, right. Yeah. So I would, I will, I will have to look into Britt's comment because she said that the external microphones don't work on mobile with StreamYard. And so that's something which we definitely Oh, do. that's I'll give that feedback to our audience. I mean, there's a lot you can do. Like, I think one of the comments was that, you know, you need to have like a certain amount of money in order to buy all this equipment. And it's kind of hard to start. Um, there are a lot of hacks you can do. Like, I remember like when I started my first podcast, we just put like a pillow fort basically out of blankets. And that right. created like a really good atmosphere to record. Obviously, I would not recommend you to turn on your video if that's how you do it. Because it would just be a video of you in a pillow fort. But this is like a really easy way. My wife, when she recorded a podcast, like what she did was she put a sock over her iPhone. And I thought it was the most ridiculous thing. But then when you heard it, the sound quality was so much better than if yeah. you just use your iPhone itself. Because there's yeah. just a lot less reverb, etc. And so there are creative ways. You can Google them um, to like just improve your quality, like improve your video. Like you don't need a good camera necessarily. It's actually enough to have the MacBook camera, but really good lighting. And you don't yeah, need like yeah. fancy lighting. You just need to have a good window. Like just set yourself opposite of your window and you have like perfect lighting. It's like really smooth and you can just use your MacBook camera and it all looks great. You don't need to like, you know, spend a lot of money to like get started with like good audio and good video. Yeah, I don't think you have to spend a lot of money even, even if you want to get, um, you know, kind of like semi-studio lights. I mean, I've got three kind of panel led lights that are above me that are kind of shining down on what i'm doing um that weren't that expensive i think it, they, they were like you know 80 bucks or something like that and they cover kind of like 180 degree scope and i can set the um the color temperature of the lights too so you can actually have some color on your face and not be wa washed out nice. <laughs> which is the other risk and then that also gets back to your background too like this is a real background behind me yeah, can, your, yours looks uh, like really good. It puts puts my background to shame. <laughs> well, yours looks really nice too. I would love to have that house. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's all right. But um, <laughs> but but yeah. So there, there's a lot of creative things that you can do with this. Um, and yeah. to make your background look great and um, and I really focus on the the audio quality. Um, that's yeah. just because I've been doing this for so long. But 
that doesn't mean that it isn't possible to do this with a little lesser, you know, spending of money around microphones. Like I, my setup here is probably, you know, $2,000 probably just for the microphone and the, and the roadcaster and all the pieces that go into this, but yeah, nothing to um, that. yeah but it's, it's certainly not required. You know, I've been re- recommending for people to use like an ATR 2100 X and that's like 79 bucks or what, whatever. And it's a decent sounding microphone. So, yeah. you know, so you don't have to break the bank to, to do this, but if you do it long enough, you probably will end up um, getting a stockpile of microphones. Like uh, you can see off to, the side over here, you can see there's three microphones and a yeah. shelf behind me. And then I've got one on the shelf up, up, up here too. That's a shotgun microphone. And then another yeah. one, if I move my head, there's one that's on right, right up here too. So I've got lots of microphones that I've got through over the years. Um, so it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just part of the the process. If you do this long enough, you'll go through microphones. There's no question about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have, there was one, one comment, which I thought was really good on by Brady. And it says on my podcast interviewing, any ideas to talk about? And I think that's actually something which a lot of people are worried about is what do you talk about? Like what questions do you ask? And I think there is a really like good way to actually get ahead of that issue. Um, the first one would be that you do a ton of research, like read every single blog post podcast Anything yeah. that the other person ever has done, put out there, because that will naturally cause questions. You'll naturally go like, hey, you told this really cool story on a podcast two years ago. Like, can we go deeper into that story? Right. And they'll be glad to because they are like an expert in it because they told us already before. And then if the other person hasn't put anything out there, which is a lesson I learned, like ideally you want people who put content out there because they have refined their ideas. Like by writing it down, they actually refined what they want to talk about, which is helpful. Because otherwise yeah. you have people who just ramble on about like random like stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense or is not relevant to your audience. Yeah. Um, but if the other person hasn't put any content out there, one thing to do is just to go to your guests and say like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Like it's that easy. Like you don't have to like wreck your brain about it. Just ask them, put the onus on them to figure out what they want to talk about. Because normally guests have something to promote. Like they don't, they don't do this for fun, right? Like normally they have like, exactly. you know, a product to sell or a show to promote or something like that. Yep. And so if they say, Hey, I want to talk about my podcast, you go like, well, what is your podcast about? Why should people listen to it? Et cetera. And so you have a bunch mm-hmm. of questions. You don't need to ask them straight up, but this is like a good starting point to then work backwards to like, what questions can I ask to establish that this person is somebody you should listen to on your podcast? Yeah, I think that it's a, it, it should be a collaborative effort. There's no question about that. You know, th- there's people out there that will tell you that, you know, do a pre-interview conversation. And there's other people that will tell you, don't do a pre-interview conversation. Just trade some ideas back and forth and just keep it natural and organic. Because if you're not skilled at being able to do both, right, to have a pre-interview and then have that interview come across as kind of like authentic and real versus contrived, um, because it, it could turn out that way. If you already know the answers to what your guest is going to say, when you ask the question, there's not yeah. as much inquisitiveness there. It's, it's, uh, and maybe less listening to what the guest is actually saying and then being able yeah. to kind of move on that. Right. Um, so there's some subtle things, but you know, each, each is own, right. Um, there's no one perfect answer to any of this stuff. It's, it, it really gets back to how, you as a creator want to want to embrace this um, and want to work through those those processes. 
uh, that make you feel more comfortable. And oftentimes guests will reach out to me that I have on a program and say, well, you know, what are we going to talk about? Because they're uncertain about what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and they want to feel like they're prepared. Um, yeah. Versus um, them understanding that, you know, based on my doing maybe 500 interviews in my career, that, that I approach this from a, from a perspective, just like I did with you is I know what your passions are and what your interests are. And I will position the conversation to tap right into that. Also, I wouldn't have you here to begin with. So in, and, and to be here to listen to you and to hear what you have to say and to react to that in an appropriate way. Um, can be a little challenging with managing so many different things with a live program, but um, nonetheless, that's the key to having an engaging interview is to listen as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So there's been a flow of comments and questions in here, and I'm getting behind. <laughs> and that always happens, it seems like. Um, let me see if I can find one here that. Um, um, Hmm, here's an interesting one here. It says, uh, comms unity community. It says, um, this is, a, a another community member talking to another community member. Have you tried online business name generators? Even those have creative spellings or, or a simple suggestion to help you. Um, you know, I think it's, coming up with business names or show names or whatever uh, does take some deep research. And there are some tools out there that you can use some keyword tools. But the big thing, if you're creating a new show, I would definitely do a search in Apple podcasts and I would do a search in YouTube and do a search in, you know, even chat GPT maybe um, and see what it gives you as far as feedback on um, different names and what they mean and, so I think names are really, really important um, in the context of being able to get um, copyright on them uh, and trademarks and all sorts of things that you might need to do. And if they're already being used by someone in the same context that you're using that, then um, then you could have a problem at some point. So I don't know, do you have any thoughts about that, um, friends? Yeah, I think names are actually not that hard once you know what they should do. Right. And so I think it's more important to figure out what your show is about. Like, what is your niche? Right. Like, what are you going to talk about? Who are the people you're going to interview? What is the group of people you're going to interview about a certain topic, right? And then once you, like, define that topic into people really well, it actually becomes easier to just kind of, like, figure out, like, how can I tell people that this is what the show is about? Like, just, you know, my show, again, is like, you know, it's called The Partnership because it's about partnerships, and so people should read the name and immediately get like, this is what I'm talking about. Another great example is um, there's a podcast for entrepreneurs called How I Built This. And it mm -hmm. literally asks startup founders the question, how did you build this company? And that's a great way to like, yeah. you know, name your podcast in a way that other people will actually get what you're talking about. Um, so you need to really know, um, yeah. you know, just your audience and your topics and then the rest will follow. Yeah, and also, exactly. Rob, just because I know we're hitting on the hour, but I do have another partnerships insight that I wanted to share as well. Um, yeah, please do. Please, please do. Go, go. I mean, but I, I don't want to take away from Karen. Well, Karen, yeah, I wanted to um, bring up Karen's uh, comment here. I, I've, I've hired people, and as a 71 year old senior, 
um, her virtual assistant has helped uh, her hugely, I guess. Technology as a doctor is not um, my wheelhouse. Um, so, so that is an interesting, you know, kind of take on this, like we were talking about earlier about maybe bringing in help uh, with, with some yeah. of the stuff that you don't feel like, like doing that, that could be the difference between growing and not growing your show. Yeah. So it just depends and on so if you so. have the, the resources and that you, like you said, um, friends that you have the skill yourself to be able to manage that person. Yeah. And especially like, you know, Karen, it sounds like you have another skill, which is being a doctor with like a lot of experience, which is super helpful when you create content because it allows you to go into a kind of depth, which nobody else can go into. Like that is the competitive advantage. And so your competitive advantage will not be the editing. It will not be the production, whatever. Like that's something you can just go like and put to a, um, put to like an external, like virtual assistant or editor or something like that. Like somebody you hire. Your competitive advantage is like just this like depth of knowledge you have, uh, which probably makes your show pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. So, friends, go go ahead and dive into the topic that you wanted to to raise, and we we can just talk about it. And if we get questions in, we can. Um, yeah. So if if you joined the show after like the first twenty minutes when we talked about partnerships, I just wanted to quickly recap like how I think about partnerships okay. um, at StreamYard and also, you know, as a creator myself. And so a partnership is basically a way for you to create a competitive advantage by working with another party. So that could be another creator, another company, whatever. But the goal is to create a competitive advantage. It's not to charge the money. It's to create like a way for you to win against all the other shows out there and win mm -hmm. attention, win money from uh, sponsors and so forth. And so the first way we discussed is that you go on to other people's show. So the one host will invite you to his show and then you will go on to their show and then you introduce each other to your respective audiences. And that's a great way to get in some initial following because of the way, you know, podcast discovery works and the way people like find podcasts relevant to um, their audiences. Then the second way to partner is actually to look at all the companies in your field and figure out like which company has an affiliate program I can use for my show. And so you don't need to like sign a sponsor deal with them, et cetera, because you probably don't have enough viewers yet. But what you do is you just get the affiliate link. And then, for example, if you use StreamYard, you can automatically get like a referral link for your friends, which will give you like a free month of StreamYard. And then you can use that in your show to at least pay for the cost of StreamYard. So you basically make your first couple bucks, which is great. Yep. And so you know like what kind of people are in my space and what kind of companies are in my space. And I know that my audience is interested in both of them. And so now here comes the third level why all of this is important and where it all comes back together. If you know all the other podcasters, for example, like let's use Karen's example, like you're a doctor and you create a podcast about, you know, being a doctor uh, mm -hmm. or a podcast for your patients and you know everybody else in this space who creates something in this for the similar audience, you have a much more like much larger bargaining power. So if right. I go to a, uh, you know, company with my 600 people watching my show and I say, hey, I am France. I have 600 people in my, watching my show. How much would you pay me for an ad on my show? They probably would say not much. Like YouTube would pay you probably like $1 for that mm -hmm. attention, right? Which is right. not great. <laughs> but I'm part of something which is called the Partnership Leaders Network, which is a network of a lot of other podcast shows and a lot of other bloggers, etc., which create content around this topic of partnerships. And so basically we've all come together and said like, hey, we're going to like create content and then bargain together with companies for that attention we generate. And so I might only get 600 views, 
But if there are 10 of us, we're already at 6,000 views, right? And these are 6,000 people who are, you know, high net worth individuals who have like a lot of money to spend. So they are valuable to a company which is trying to sell to partnership leaders. And so that way we can actually go and negotiate way better sponsorship deals for our shows as a collective. And that mm -hmm. is our competitive advantage. Like our advantage is that we together have a lot more to offer than each one of us individually. And so it's kind of classic, like one plus one equals four. And yeah. the way the sales pitch even better is if you have existing affiliate referral relationships with these partners and with these companies, because if you go to a company and say like, Hey, I can like, you know, introduce you to my audience. Um, we don't know how it's going to work, but you know, take a bet on me. They might not be very happy with that pitch. But if you say, hey, I've been an affiliate creator of yours. I generated over 100 signups for your software. And I can like actually like get you more if you like start sponsoring me and I can weave you into all of my promotions. They might be like pretty keen on you doing that rather than you going to their competitor. Like if you have then the option to say like, hey, I generated 100 leads for you. And, you know, I can do the same for your competitor if you don't give me like a sponsorship deal. They're much more inclined to like sponsor you as compared to like, you know, somebody who they have no experience with and who doesn't have a lot of like, you know, bargaining power with them. So that is my tip on on how to like create a free step approach to like up your podcasting game with partnerships. Yeah. And there are platforms out there that you can, um, I mean, if we're talking about affiliate programs, um, also there, there are platforms like uh, cj.com um, that, that have a bunch of different affiliates. I know some early podcasters <clears throat> started getting into relationships with, you know, affiliate yeah. brands, um, and then just mentioning them on their podcast and things like that. And yeah. driving people well, the, to those, those the as most well. important thing in my mind is that when you do this affiliate, you know, marketing, or when you go into sponsorships, mm -hmm. and I think this was a question which was raised earlier, like, who do I work with? Um, you should mostly, or you should absolutely prioritize tools, which you personally use. Correct. Because it, this is all about give testimonials that actually yeah. have some validity behind them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's all about trust with your audience. Like why are you recommending a tool to your audience that you don't use yourself? Right. Does that mean that you're just doing it for the money and you're basically a sellout and you don't want to sell out at all. Like you never want right. to sell out. Some people right. can do it. Like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo with like a hundred million Instagram followers, like he'll make a post, which he doesn't believe just because, you know, it makes him a lot of money and then he'll afterwards follow up with good posts. Yeah. But if you sell out really early, like people will, will, will completely abandon you. And so yep. the That's way to do it is that if you, for example, you stream your to promote your show, you should like use stream as your affiliate partner because you know, the tool, you understand it, you like it. And it's very authentic when you promote it. Right. And similarly, like, you know, with sponsorships, like if somebody can says, Hey, I want to like place an ad on your show. If you don't know them at minimum, try to use their tool and minimum try to dog food it yourself just so you understand like if this is actually something I would use myself because the worst thing you can do is like promote it on your show and then your fans come back to you and you go like hey this tool was really bad yeah they took a lot of money from me. they're really mean people and you're like well like now I ruined this just trust I had with my audience yeah totally and and really the foundations of podcasting have been really built on uh what's called host read advertising which is host endorsed type of baked in advertising is what really built the advertising opportunity in the podcasting space so you're really tapping into a core kind of capability that's always been with podcasting that has really grown the industry was that 
interpersonal relationship between the 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 brand, the host, and the audience. Right? It's that it's the bond that is established between all three that actually make it so powerful. There are forces in the in the podcast industry that are trying to push radio-like advertising increasingly into podcasts, and that that has worked to some degree. But there's always a trade-off um, on trust, and it gets back to what you were just saying, friends. Um, that can you trust a, a a Geico ad that some ad agency created that you're running in your podcast versus you, the host, or myself saying, you know, I'm a subscriber to geico and i'm not getting paid by geico so don't don't think i'm doing an ad here but um you know that that i i'm a subscriber to them they insure my car and they've been good to me and that means more than me just running a just a pre-produced ad yeah so and it's also because of the the way people interact with you right like you're oftentimes the individual creator so there's nobody else to blame if you have like an ad network or a radio station and there's a bad ad, you can always be like, yeah, no, the producer said they should put this on or whatever. But if right. you're the individual podcast creator, like it's on you. Like if this right. ad is bad and you're like breaking trust, that's on you. You you broke trust. Like there's nobody <laughs> else to blame right now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Well, I think we're getting into uh, being well into the second hour of this uh, live show. And I know other people have, have lives that maybe they want to do. And I appreciate everybody that's here. And, and so I wanted to re re promote the, the giveaway that I'm going to do here very soon for um, a stream yard uh, sweatshirt hoodie and a um, puddles, the, the duck. So get your entry into the comment field, in your preferred social media platform um, and that's uh, hashtag the yard all together in one word. And I can, uh, I think, I don't think I've seen anybody yeah. recently do it. Oh, yeah. Here, here these it is. sweaters are so comfortable. Yep. So they're great that's, for, for winter weather. <laughs> right. That's the hashtag right there. Um, make sure that you get it into your comment field and we will get you added. StreamYard has a tool that enables that. And it looks like we're up to 41 entries so far. So, Keep them coming if you haven't entered yet and would love to have you included in that with the opportunity to uh, get one of those uh, merch items. It's always a popular thing with the show. And it's it's really interesting, friends, that the, the StreamYard kind of content um, ha, ha, always does this. I know, um, you know, the Sunday night show that the company does has always done that. And it generates a lot of interest, right? They'll be getting free merch. Yeah. Everybody loves getting free stuff. People love free stuff. And then also, <laughs> you know, if you put in hashtag the yard, you want to stay till the end. You just want to find out if you yeah, want Yeah, totally. It. So totally. It's definitely I'm... like also like, you know, an incentive to like use this tool on your own shows because you know that actually like it encourages people to like watch the whole thing. So if you yeah. want to use it yourself, like streamyard.com slash giveaway yeah. is the tool which we're using right now. And it's super easy. You just need to like, you know, comment. At, you can create your own hashtag. So we, you know, use hashtag the yard for the show, but you can do your own thing. Like I use hashtag the ship, which is like very or- original uh, for my the partnership show. Yep. Um, but you can use anything. You can also leave it blank, which then accepts everybody who comments into the raffle. And then you can also do multiple draws. So we also had shows where we would draw like three, four times uh, because maybe, you know, we had extra spare ducks we wanted to give away. Right. Puddles the duck. There we go. 
<laughs> so I think we're up to, um, I think we're up to 43 now. So let's go ahead and, and uh, push the draw uh, button here. Um, there's actually more to this tool than what you're seeing here. But um, um, just so when you first go to it, you'll get a couple of form fields that you, you just need to activate, right? And, and it knows when you're ready to go live or you're ready to, to produce a show because it's logging into the same account that you're currently yeah. logged into. So, so it should be pretty seamless for you. And you can actually even change the hashtag if you want to as well. But I keep using the same yeah. one. So let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and draw and see who's going to bring home the goods, as they say. So... All right. Oh, we're getting close. Go, go, go. Congrats, Racky. Was it Racky, not Rocky? It's Racky Godson Alley. Um, congratulations. You're the winner of a uh, Puddles Duck and a uh, and a sweatshirt hoodie just in time for the winter time. So I don't know where you live, but uh, it's always, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing it right now and it keeps me warm. So it's terrific. So. Franz, it was great to have you on the program with me. Um, you know, Likewise. thanks talked, for inviting me. Yeah, we've talked many times, and and I should mention here really quick uh, to to Racky that uh, you need to send me an email uh, with your your sweatshirt size and uh, your mailing address, so we can get you your your merch. So get that over to me as soon as you can. And I will get it over to the StreamYard team, and we'll get this stuff uh, boxed up and shipped out to you on the next turtle. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'll be faster than that. So, um, but anyway, I, I I certainly appreciate it, and thank you all for for joining me. Um, let me look at the comments really quick and just make sure that we're um, we're not missing any really good questions or anything. Of course, they're all really good. I shouldn't say that, but. Um, uh, oh, I appreciate it. Another great show as always. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, say it's the giveaway tools. Are, it looks like it's a great tool. I've used it before. Um, and it looks like, uh, they would like, uh, to have one or something. So keep coming back and, you know, we'll keep yeah. in, entering the, the drawing and we'll, we'll get you something eventually. It's just, uh, just odds, right? It's <laughs> just a matter of time. <laughs> right. If you enter enough times, you will eventually win. And it doesn't cost you anything. All it costs you, I guess, is a little bit of your time to, to join me on the program. So um, let's see if there's any other questions before we end the stream. But uh, I think I, I think we've got everything. Um, that, we have a person thanking the, the winner, which is always a good thing. So... Thank you so much. And I know these long goodbyes are, are insufferable. So come back and join me on the show next Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And if you're overseas, it's kind of, if you're over in Europe, it's kind of late. But, um, but that's okay. Watch the recording. <laughs> right, exactly. It's always on demand, as they say, on all these platforms. So Thank you so much, and we're going to end the stream now. So have a terrific evening, and Franz, thanks so much, and good good luck with the baby, and hope things go smoothly. So thank you so much. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody.